All right, John 1, 1 to 18, God's Word says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people didn't receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Hear this, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory, glory as of only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, My hope for uh, the coming months as we go through John's gospel is simply this, that your love for Jesus will grow more and more. And if you are in this room and you are not a follower of Jesus, that you would be saved through the beautiful message about our Messiah that John the Apostle presents to us uh, in this gospel. This is, after all, the the purpose of John's gospel. He says as as much towards the end uh, in John chapter 20, verse 31, he just clearly states, this is my purpose. He says, but these are written, hear this, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Savior, the Son of God. And that by, hear this, believing you may have life in his name. That's the purpose of John's gospel. John a disciple of Jesus, and a member of his innermost circle of friends. So Jesus called 12 disciples to follow him. But within the 12, he had three that were his his closest followers. Uh, John is also self-described in his gospel as the disciple that Jesus loved. So uh, we come to this understanding that John was probably the closest disciple to Jesus. And he leaves us this amazing writing, so that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God. Looking to this, this amazing opening section of, of John, uh, it's called the prologue. It's kind of before everything. The introduction to Jesus' earthly ministry, we get a sense of John laying the foundation for this goal, again, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. He does this in a sense by, by showing us the credentials, the qualifications of Jesus in this opening section. Why should we believe then that Jesus is the Messiah? I think John presents uh, the beginning parts of his case here in these uh, first 18 verses. And it brings us to our main idea. Our main idea is this. 
Our main idea is humanity's problem and God's solution. So humanity's problem is that the world is opposed to the light. In our own, given to our own fallen natural state, we are opposed to the light. We are in darkness. God's solution then is, we find in this passage, to send a light that, can, that cannot be overcome by the darkness. That, that shines so bright that it, it lights up the room and lights up the world. John says this in, in John 1, 4 to 5, and then we'll skip to verses 10 to 13. He says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines, hear this, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Now we get the problem. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, so he came to his own people, and his own people didn't receive him. But to all who did receive him, followers of Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave this the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John's opening monologue goes far beyond the earthly works of Jesus. If we look at the other three Gospels, the other three Gospels uh, begin with with preparation uh, through John the Baptist coming through the, the angels heralding the coming Messiah. Uh, Matthew's gospel begins with this genealogy connecting Jesus back to King David. But instead, John does this. John says that that's not, uh, I want to go all the way back to the beginning. We're going all the way to where it started. He is going to prove that Jesus is this. Jesus is the only reliable medicine for humanity's problem. Because we have a problem and God has a solution. And so John begins with, with the credentials of Jesus, his qualifications. Why should we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the one who saves us from spiritual darkness and gives us life? Why should we believe this? I want to give you an illustration. Wouldn't we do the same for our physical bodies? Investigate, right? We've prayed over the, the three years that I've been here, we've prayed for a number of our members who have received cancer diagnoses and have sought treatment, okay? Did they just go anywhere for treatment? No, right? They went to well-qualified physicians in well-qualified care facilities, and these medical professionals are all well-credentialed in the practice of medicine and the treatment of cancer. That's who you go to. When you have cancer, you go to a cancer doctor to help cure you from the disease, You wouldn't trust an auto mechanic to to give you chemotherapy, would you? No. We seek out the best available options for our treatment. Now, we have a problem. Humanity has a problem that we're in darkness and we're opposed to the light. And there is only one treatment for our problem. There's only one treatment for our opposition to the light. And that is that God sent his son into history to save his people from darkness. And so what are these these credentials of Jesus? We find them in this opening section of John. The first one is this. It's pre-existence. Jesus is fully God. He is fully God. Jesus' first credential is his pre-existence to all things. Again, reiterating, he's fully God. Jesus has always existed for all of eternity. There's no beginning to Jesus. How do we know this? John tells us, verses 1 to 3, in the beginning was the Word. Now, this 
word here is a name for Jesus. Notice it's capitalized. In the beginning was the word. Now hear this. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Hear this. And all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus is this family. Jesus is the creative agency within the Godhead. He was in the beginning with God, and he is, John says here, he is God. He says as much, he says, and the word was with God, and the word, what, was God. And all things, John's gospel says, are made through him. John gives us this, he gives us the fullest picture of of the creation account. He takes us again all the way back to the beginning. Whereas now Genesis 1, we'll look at Genesis 1.1. Genesis 1 discloses that God has indeed created all things. It says in the beginning, what? God created the heavens and the earth. John is conveying to us again, we have to remember, this is, this is Scripture, so he's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So every word is, is, is intended just as God wanted it to be. John is conveying to us that this creative act occurred through Jesus and apart from Jesus, nothing could be made. We get this when we look back to Genesis and what I would call types and shadows. We see Jesus in types and shadows. One such example of that is uh, we believe Moses wrote uh, Genesis under the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit. In Genesis one twenty six, he says, let us make mankind in our image and our likeness. We understand from, from this statement that God is indeed one, a unity, but also is three persons. He's Trinitarian. He is three in one, and Jesus is one person of the Godhead. Here John is doing what he's doing what, by taking us all the way back to the beginning is he's retelling the creation account, except now he's giving us the full picture. Okay, We see the full picture of what occurred at the beginning. We understand the full picture of the creative nature of God. Moreover, we understand an important credential of Jesus in his mission to seek and save the lost, to be the light that overcomes the darkness, that he is this. He is indeed fully divine. That's why this opening section is so important. It shows the divinity of God, that, of Jesus, that he is God in the flesh. Psalm 33, 6 kind of echoes what John is saying here. It says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. Jesus is there at the beginning. Jesus is not the first creation of God, but is God himself. Credential number two. His incarnation. He is fully man. Okay, when I say incarnation, I mean Jesus, God came in the flesh in the person and work of Jesus. Jesus entered into history. He took on flesh and he lived among us. Uh, verses 9 and 14 says this, The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And then 14, this is such a beautiful verse. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father. Hear this, full of grace and truth. Man, I, I can tell you guys this morning, I, it's been a little bit since I've had the preaching butterflies. 
But when I looked on this passage, I've, I am just so excited. This opening section of John is just such a beautiful, beautiful passage of Scripture. What a magnificent statement that we're given here. We're confronted with the glory of God has come in the flesh. He took on humanity. And he didn't didn't just come, he lived among us. God took on the very flesh that he spoke and crafted into existence. Uh, The literal translation of of the words used here for his his dwelling among us is that he tabernacled with us. In, In essence, God came and he pitched his tent in your neighborhood. That's what it's saying. Christian scholar Gary Burge says this, the prologue tells us that something different has happened in time. Something here, there's something objective, okay? Something objective is something that you can touch and feel and see. And he says this, absolute, so complete. So objective and absolute. A marker has been placed in human history and all humanity is now being called to mark time and progress by that post. That is the significance of the life of Jesus, The whole world was turned upside down when Jesus came in the flesh. Because of God in the flesh, all things have changed. John would later say in one of his letters in 1 John, sounds very familiar to what he's putting here. It's almost as if the same spirit was inspiring him. He says this in 1 John 1, 1 1-2. He says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, hear this, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we looked upon and and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest. What is that word? It's clear, shown, it's demonstrated. And we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Okay, what we have here, family, is eyewitness testimony to the perfect life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. In our society, in our culture, we put heavy weight on eyewitness testimony, don't we? In the courtroom, an eyewitness to somebody is, in a sense, an expert because they saw it. They touched it. They felt it. They saw it. They experienced what happened. John, okay, this is the Apostle John that wrote this, not John the Baptist. The Apostle John, one of Jesus' closest followers, was there for it all. He saw all of it. He experienced these things. He experienced firsthand, this is a firsthand account, the perfect life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. He was, by all accounts, one of the closest friends to our Savior. John was at the foot of the cross, holding Jesus' weeping mother as Jesus died on that tree. Jesus called out for him to care for Mary as Jesus gave up his spirit and breathed his last. And I can imagine that John wept at the loss of his friend. And I'm certain at that moment in time that John was questioning, what in the world is going on? How could the one that was coming to save and establish the kingdom of God die? But, right? On the third day, the grave was found empty. 
Jesus rose from the dead family. He is alive. Eyewitness, John witnessed this himself. If that wasn't enough, John is a man, it's well documented in Scripture, that suffered greatly for the gospel. And he suffered because he was an eyewitness to the incarnation. He was an eyewitness to Jesus in the flesh. He was an eyewitness of the resurrection. And it so radically transformed him that he went out preaching the gospel to everybody. Just as Jesus commanded. The book of Acts even accounts the loss of his brother. His brother... Uh, James and John are known as the the sons of Zebedee. Jesus called them the sons of thunder. Okay, they must have caused a ruckus. The book of Acts accounts this, that, that John's brother, whom I'm sure he loved dearly, died for the cause of the gospel. King Herod killed him. And yet, after suffering much, seeing his brother die, certainly seeing other disciples die, likely knowing that Peter had died, another close, close friend of his. He writes this gospel under the inspiration of the Spirit so that you may know what? That Jesus is the Christ and that you may believe in him. He affirms that Jesus is the Christ. He proclaims, we have seen the glory, glory as of the only Son of the Father, again, full of grace and truth. Jesus is this. Hear this credential. Jesus is God in the flesh. And Jesus is the only medicine for our ailment, for our sickness, for the darkness that clouds our souls. And this this Jesus, fully God and, and fully man, is full of this, grace and truth, it says. Our third credential is a desire and purpose to save. What a great credential that he is full of grace and truth. Family, he's known. Jesus is known. Looking back to our illustration of the physician, right? The, the cancer doctor. A physician or a doctor doesn't do much good in accomplishing his goal if, if he doesn't have a desire to help. Usually physicians go into that field because they want to help people. And they want to help people by treating the core issue. And so a cancer doctor does no good if they simply mask the surface level symptoms with pain relievers and, and cover up what's going on. But in order to truly save, they must do what? They must remove the cancer and they have to have a desire to do that. They want to go in and fix the issue. Jesus came and fixed the issue. It says this in John 1, 14 to 18. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We've seen His glory, glories of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. It says this, John, this is John the Baptist now, when it refers to John in John's Gospel. He's talking about John the Baptist, different person than John the disciple. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. John's saying something there. He's, he's talking about the eternal existence of Jesus. He says this, For from his fullness we have all received, hear these words, grace upon grace. 
For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. Hear this. He has made him known. Jesus has made God known to us. The fully divine and fully human being did not just remain anonymous, but is made known through his life on earth. Jesus didn't live quietly out his perfect days on earth, but rather used his perfect days to make the will of God known. Luke summarizes this statement from Jesus. He says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus perfectly fulfilled the law given to Moses so that we may enjoy the eternal benefits of his finished work. His light has overcome our darkness. You see, that, that's the cancer that w- is within us, is this, this darkness that we cannot even see the light, and we need Jesus to come into us and remove that cancer and give us a new heart that beats after him. That's what he does. And we know this here, though, the law, okay, John talks about the law just briefly. The law was never intended to save, but rather it was given to reveal the darkness within us. Paul instructs us that in Romans to bring us to an understanding that we need the righteousness and fulfillment of another. When we read through the law, we should come to the conclusion that I can't do all of those things perfectly all the time. That's the conclusion we come to. The beauty of Jesus is that he, he not only is gracious to us, but he, John says he showers us with grace. He says grace upon grace. Grace multiplied. What is grace, you may ask? It's giving us a gift that we never deserved. That's what grace is. We do not deserve the grace of God because we've done this. We have sinned against His holiness, against His perfection, against His righteousness. We've disobeyed His commands. But in His love... He didn't simply leave us with the law of Moses, which focuses on on obedience and punishment, but showers us with the grace of Christ's finished work. Amen? That That Jesus fully obeyed the law and offers his righteousness to overcome our darkness. And he does this, it says grace and truth, he does this while showing and instructing us how to live, giving us life that's truly life. He tells us the truth. And we understand the truth because of the grace of God. They work together. Jesus gives us truth when he says these, this very clear statement. I love this. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life No one comes to the Father except through me. Man, that is clear. And so his credentials, his qualifications in this opening section bring us then to this conclusion. The work of Jesus is not an offer of a hope, but indeed is the only hope. The work of Jesus is not an offer of a hope among many hopes, but indeed Jesus is the only hope that we have. There are not many pathways to reconciliation with God. There's only one. The cancer patient can't remove their own tumor and administer their own chemotherapy. They can't do it. 
They need the help of the doctor to remove the disease. And you just don't go to any doctor. You go to the right doctor, don't you? Who is credentialed properly and has everything you need to treat the disease. Jesus has everything we need. He is sufficient to save. You see, we have this tendency to look for hope in all the wrong places. We look for hope and fulfillment in marriage and jobs and money and stuff and our family. We look to everything else. We look to our own uh, ability. We say, I'm pretty good when I compare myself mm, to Hitler. And that's our tendency. We want to look to everything else but the light of the world for help. But Jesus is the only hope that we have. Have I made that clear? He's the only hope we have for rescue from our disease of a sinful heart. This is the purpose of John the Baptist as he came preparing the way for the Messiah. He says this in verses 6 to 8. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Hey, that's my job here today. I bear witness to the light of Christ that you may be reconciled to the Father through his marvelous work. John the Baptist did not come to call people to a hope, but came to give them the only hope. He came to show them Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, who gives eternal life. Paul summarizes the hope of Jesus in this way. It's not in your notes. Uh, Ephesians 2, 4 to 10 says this, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, so we, when we were in darkness, made us alive together with Christ. He says this, By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should should walk in them. Jesus is not a hope, but is the only hope. I plead with you this morning, place your confidence in his work, and you will receive this forgiveness and eternal life with him. In the presence of our Savior, Christian, remember the hope we have in the finished work of Jesus the gospel sanctifies us. It keeps us close. Hear this. The struggle against flesh has been won at the cross. You're not a slave to sin and darkness anymore. You've been reconciled to a life of righteousness. Rest in His work and proclaim his work so that the lost may be found in Christ. And receive, as John says here, grace upon grace and the freedom, okay, the freedom of life that results from the cure of our 
disease, the cancer patient doesn't go back to the doctor and beg for the tumor to be put back in them, do they? No, they walk down that hallway and there's a big old bell and they ring that bell, signifying their freedom as they bust out those doors. And I'm certain as every cancer patient, former cancer patient can affirm in here that they don't want to go back in there again. You walk in light of your freedom. Skeptic, unbeliever, who is here among us, we love you. I love you and I want you to hear the truth here today. You have to wrestle with this eyewitness testimony that we have. This experience of of John, the disciple, the close friend of Jesus who witnessed all these things and put them down in Scripture for us. Jesus really did come into history. The marker has been set. The course of human history has shifted. Will you do this? Will you believe in the one true hope? Jesus, who's full of grace and truth. You have to wrestle with this. You have to wrestle with an eyewitness and his experience of walking with Jesus, seeing his king crucified and dying and being put into the grave and witnessing the glorious resurrection of the Son of God. And the evidence is that he then went out proclaiming this good news to all of creation. And we are family here as a result of the work of those apostles. We're we're a testament to the eyewitness testimony of John. Skeptic or you have to wrestle with this truth. This happened. What are you going to do? I invite you this morning very clearly to place your confidence in the work of Christ. Believe upon him as Lord and Savior. That Jesus came perfectly and lived in your place. That he died taking on the wrath of God for you. He substituted himself on the cross, but he didn't stay dead. He raised from the dead and he is ushering in new creation. Examples of that are all in this room. That we are new creations in Christ. Place your confidence, your trust in the finished work of Jesus who says these words. I leave you with this. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life.